everybody, welcome back to the 1208-Bit Nerd Church Podcast, a part of the Jackson Cloud network of podcasts and whatnot. The Jackson Cloud is an online church that uh, is born out of Jackson, Michigan, of 1208 Greenwood. Free Methodist Church, you can join it by going to jxncloud.com. Check out our YouTube videos and much more. In fact, uh, in two days, on Monday, we've got an interview with Shane Claiborne coming up on that's, the Jackson Cloud. That's awesome and exciting. Yeah, so that's going to be real cool. Make sure you check that out. That will be on the Jackson Cloud podcast, JXN Cloud podcast. So look that one up as well as part of the network. All right, with all that being said, today we are going to talk about giants. Or as I was going to start this, there be giants in them hills. <laughs> so where did you think that was coming from? I don't know. I thought that was like a hills. quote or an expression from something. Is it seriously not? I, I don't think so. Is there something, I mean, there be something in these hills? There. Gold? There be gold. <laughs> oh, there, yeah, that's it. Is, there is, be gold in them, thar hills. All right, we found it. What's this from? <laughs> um... It's a misquote. <laughs> the actual phrase was yelled from the steps of Lumpkin County. Yeah. It's part of the California gold rush or something. <laughs> so all that being said. So you're telling me, you're telling me that you knew a quote that was a misquote from California gold rushers. Which I thought was about giants. Yes, I am. That is exactly <laughs> what I had thought. It's not weird. And yeah. <laughs> but giants. But giants. Giants. Okay, so <laughs> let's talk about giants. Um, which uh, this time we're getting super biblical on you because you know usually we're talking about Batman or you know we're looking for the yeah, spiritual right. bits throughout things to kind of pull out uh, spiritual insight or conversation, if you will. In this case, we're actually talking straight about nerdum in the Bible because you have giants in the Bible. Nerdy Bible stuff. Nerdy Bible stuff. In particular, <laughs> there's one giant everybody knows, right? I mean, he's literally just like another way to say giant. His name Goliath. Is Goliath. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's just another way to say giant. <laughs> giant. Yeah. So <laughs> we're all familiar with that guy, but we're not familiar with the rest of the Bible story. He's super weird. He's just like right in the middle of your Bible. You're like, where the heck did this guy come from? You know, <laughs> David, there's a tall guy out there. <laughs> yeah. Like this, this is normal, completely normal matches everything else in the Bible, which it does. If you're paying attention to the fine details, mm -hmm. but if you are not, then Goliath just appears out of nowhere and you're like, what the heck is this? <laughs> you think that they just saw like an unusually world Guinness record tall guy. And, like, that really threw them off or something. So, with Goliath, though, it always made me wonder, like, how tall really was Goliath, you know? Mm. Like, was he, like, you know, five foot ten back then? <laughs> was that, like... Because yeah, people were... <laughs> it seems that people were shorter back then. So, to be a giant by ancient standards wouldn't be too difficult. Um, but the Bible, I think, says that he was nine foot something, which well, is that's pretty terrifying. tall. But that's not actually entirely correct. So the Masoretic text of the Bible, which we use for all of our Bibles today, like you have to understand there's hundreds of scrolls out there about the Bible because you don't have a printing press. Mm -hmm. You've got scribes copying it over, and scribes were educated individuals who, when they came across stuff that they thought didn't make sense, they were 
trained because they were studied to make adjustments in order to like, well, this probably does. I think the last scribe screwed this part up, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna change this a little bit. <laughs> Likewise, they'd make mistakes along the way, just simple like copy errors, things like that. That's just natural for anyone who, when you're typing on a computer. The same mistakes we make when we're trying to move paper over to computer, the scribes made the same thing too. So that's just commonplace. Um, but the Masoretic text says Goliath is like nine foot something. If you go to older manuscripts of the Bible, you see like that was added in later. He was actually, I think, six foot something. So that nine foot sounds cool. That sounds cooler. It does. A lot more intimidating. Yeah, because we know plenty of six foot people, right? I mean, <laughs> NBA players, they're all Nephilim at that point. They're all giants. Well, I don't know if they're Nephilim at that point, but... <laughs> well, I mean, if, if your standard for what a giant is is someone over six feet tall, then you would yeah, be like, NBA fair. is just a bunch of giants. <laughs> uh, likewise, we know plenty of people who are six foot... I'm, I'm almost... I'm like two inches short of that, so like... I'm not. Well, you're not a giant then. <laughs> nope. Good for you. That's a biblically good thing. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you come across Goliath, but it, it seems like part of the reason you might also see him as a giant is not just because of how tall he is, but he's also like, I don't know, he seems super beefy or something like the, the very like tip of his spear weighs like a hundred pounds or something like that doesn't just say like tall guy that says like. Like Arnold. It's the rock, you know. The rock. <laughs> it's the rock at like six plus feet tall. So so there's other elements to these people that I would imagine like when you saw one, you'd be like, yeah, that's a that's a giant. Well, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So what, what about the, the, the... So we were talking a little bit about, you know, how giants were coming into play in the Bible. You talked a little bit about like... Um, why maybe not being a giant would be a good thing by biblical standards. So, like, wh- why, do you, why do you say that? Well, uh, as you know, because I made you read a book on this. Uh, first off, are you saying <laughs> are you saying that I'm asking questions while I know the answer already, Jamin? I am how, saying you How know dare that. you? You are setting the stage well as I a podcast. I would never. <laughs> uh, so, first off, a great book to read on this subject. It's not on this subject. It's on a whole lot of subjects, but this is one of the things I get into. The Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser. I was on his podcast. You can go listen to that episode, too. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Humble brag. No, it's not humble. I just straight up and and pretty cool right now. Uh, But Michael Heiser has a book called The Unseen Realm, where it was the first time it opened my eyes. No, shouldn't say it's the first time. It was a time when someone finally validated what I had seen before. Because when I was in... High school, I was reading Genesis, and it's six chapters in. Six chapters. So, like, you know how no one ever finishes the Bible? <laughs> like, be honest, people. Most of you, you always try to start at the beginning. You get to Lamentations, you're like, forget this. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not reading law code for a second time here. Well, most of us have read Genesis 6 because it's the story of Noah. But what they don't teach just from the stage or from... from your nursery or anything like that is this passage where it's like, and then the sons of God came and procreated with human women giving birth to the Nephilim, which is the giants, the men of renown of old, you know? Mm -hmm. And like when I was reading the message version of the Bible, which says it pretty straight, 
you know, uh, in, uh, in, in high no college. I like come across this, and then they gave birth to the giants. I'm like, who now did what now? You know, like, <laughs> who are the sons of God? And why are they having relations with human beings giving birth to like this hybrid giant? Like, as a 22,000 minder person, yeah. my first thought was aliens, you know, just like. <laughs> If I was an ancient person, I saw something come out of the sky and then give birth to giants through humans. Yeah, no. I'm like abduction, you know, like that. That sounds ridiculous, but is that what they witness? What do I do with Genesis six? It's very strange. That that would be a modern kind of conception of this. But as you follow the path through what the Bible says, it's like no sons of God were spiritual beings. Uh, anytime they show up in the Old Testament. These are like upper level spiritual beings in the hierarchy. We usually just call every today we call everything angels if it's a good guy and demons if it's a bad guy, you know. Yep. But in the Old Testament, like there are various levels of spiritual beings. Angels just means messenger. So it's like the mailman of the spiritual world, you know. It's like I've gotta <laughs> deliver a message to Daniel, taking off to do that. That's the simple definition of angel. So if you want to indicate, like, no, this is different, this is higher than an angel, you'll use words like son of God or, um, you know, uh, divine counsel, the lower, case, the lower case G, many gods that Deuteronomy says are assigned to nations and are corrupt, things like that, that you see in Daniel 10 as well with these princes, prince of Persia, things like that. So sons of God... I'm like, what? <laughs> so I'm supposed to believe that spiritual beings came and procreated with humans in Genesis 6 and created giants? Um, but that's the narrative the Bible keeps telling, right? Yeah. Because it goes on from there. You see, first off, the Nephilim should have been wiped out in the flood. These giants should have been wiped out in the flood. But they show up again. Like, in numbers. It's like, oh, then we saw the Nephilim in the promised land. You know, like... We're going to take it, but we felt like grasshoppers in their eyes. They were so huge. <laughs> it's like, wait, didn't we didn't we get rid of these guys, you know? And, <laughs> and if you pay close attention, it's like the Nephilim, uh, it continues to say they spread out and created new clans. There was the sons of Anak. They were giants, and they created the Anakim. So now the Anakim are Nephilim. <laughs> Uh, or Nephilim, or whatever you want to call it. And then you've got the Rephaim. Some are over there. And and all these little clans. If you're paying close attention throughout the war conquest, where no one pays attention to names because no one knows who these people are, you're like, Rephaim, eh, whatever. I'm not going to remember who that is. But if you pay attention, it's like, some of them were giants. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're like, there were giants everywhere by different names by the time of, like, one-fifth of the way through the yeah Old Testament. So we're, like, we were talking about, like, the, the hierarchy of these these angels and then, like, the sons of God and stuff like that and all of these spiritual beings that you were talking about. Um, one of the things that it reminds me of immediately, if you're a really big nerd of Tolkien, like I am, which I have to mention in every podcast, it's a rule, um, is uh, the hierarchy of the angels. So Gandalf himself is considered a like a, a son of God kind of thing, oh. so he is a um, a spiritual being uh, that came came to Earth um, to where like the other spiritual beings are still in this heavenly like atmosphere in uh, in Lord of the Rings. We had to read the Silmarillion, and uh, if you can't read the Bible, 
um, to, to figure this out and like look up all that and let the read the appendices of all those kinds of things. Maybe Lord of the Rings will help with some metaphorical like version of it. <laughs> yeah, because and I got to read that uh, the Cimmerillion. I just started the Lord of the Rings, not audiobook version. But I still will have Tom Bombadil's song melody stuck in my head as I read it, I'm sure. Tom Bombadil. Thanks, Lord of the Rings narrator. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you got? do you love Tom Bombadil yet? I don't like Tom Bombadil yet. I love that part where he picks up the ring and just doesn't care. Yeah. Outside of that, he feels super out of place. I'm sorry. As he should. <laughs> okay, well, fine. It's perfect. I just said, uh, we'll do a whole episode on Tom Bombadil. I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> I don't know if I have enough information. I probably do. <laughs> well, There's we'll, probably enough. Conspiracy theories on Tom Bombadil. We'll just make them up as we go. Tom Bombadil was actually a giant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would go for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, in uh, biblical lore, they just keep showing up. So when you get to Goliath, he's not the first giant. Far from it. Actually, the end of Judges, like, it's interesting. Genocide is a very difficult question when we're reading the war conquest. Yeah. Of, you know, like, what do we do with all this violence that apparently God seemed to, like, create and all that? One of the things Heiser would say is, hey, if you're paying attention, the only places where they were told to wipe out everyone there was where there were giants. Yeah. Uh, in other words, Heiser's trying to say, the flood was supposed to get rid of them. It didn't. And so throughout kind of this military conquest, there's this continuation of ridding yourselves of the giants, which yeah. you, you kind of do see when you get to the end of Judges. And Judges just ends with, like, Israel got bored and didn't finish the job that they were supposed to do in their conquest. And then it's just like, and so there were still giants in the land of Geth. And Judges ends there. It's like, why would we care about giants still existing? Until David picks up the conquest again later on. It's like, we didn't finish the job getting rid of these giants. And the giants have been like this kind of like thorn in our side. Uh, it seems like they're probably leading them into false worship of the other gods and things like that. Which in Jewish lore, the giants were highly connected to all occultic um things like they're the ones who taught astrology or their parents the sons of god from genesis 6 taught yeah. the giants all these things and they taught humans all these things and their human wives all these things and so all this stuff that happens in genesis 6 like jews were jewish literature later was like for book of first enoch second enoch things like that they're like that was all connected back to the giants so if you're wondering where we got all this stuff it's because spiritual beings taught it to us type thing. So so that's interesting because it always it always comes back to that, right? And a lot of conversations of, you know, um, is God this, like, evil being, especially in the Old Testament? There seems to be this, like, separation as to who God is. Um, a lot of people, like, see that in the Bible, and that's one of the questions we get a lot, right, um, is how can God do these bad things in the Old Testament? So that kind of shines a little bit of a light, right? Mm. A little bit of a view. Maybe it's not the full picture yet. Yeah, I, there's still details yeah, that right? need to kind of be worked out. But uh, but it's 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 kind of like a glimpse into, I'm starting to understand mm. more about why God might be doing, like, saying this might be the right thing to do, mm. or asking um, his people to lead that kind of a 
conquest, right? Yeah. I mean, it, for us, we don't have this in mind at all. But yeah. if your framework is that there are beings on the planet who are hybrid beings of spiritual and physical, yeah. known as Nephilim or giants, and they are here screwing up everybody. They're in the promised land where God's like, you're going there. Why are they there? Are they trying to keep Israel out from the place that God wants them to go? You know, I, I don't know. But like that whole picture is not in our mindset today at all. Whereas an ancient person reading this book would be like, oh, yeah, the giants. Yeah, everybody has their lore about the giants. And you see that in plenty of other cultures today. Like if you go to other religions and cultures, interesting in the same way that a lot of people have like a story about the flood. Mm. Uh, Gilgamesh is like a similar, like no Noah story. Yeah. Other cultures too have their own stories of giants. Uh, the, I think you, well, I remember playing uh, God of War on the yeah. PS4 and like there's this, at the end, you get to the land of the giants. I'm like, is this part of like a Nordic understanding too? And yeah, I think yeah, it is 100. Yeah. Like I, I actually was gonna bring up a little bit of like Nordic mythology and giants, and I, I think that the, maybe they've connected in some way, um, or maybe our history of them has kind of like mixed together since eventually, you know, Christians do come over to. Um, to Europe and to uh, Norway and to the um, to that area and start influencing uh, those myths a little bit. So there's a really good chance that the giants that we see in the Bible might be in later time um, might actually be where the uh, giants come from in viking mythology too which is uh which is really cool to think about but uh in viking mythology giants are generally um like i can't remember they're more like almost divine in that kind of a sense as well Mm -hmm. right like they're they're they come from like some kind of spiritual entity but the the gods of like the nordic like faith um are all were also considered to be like giant-esque like they were large beings um, which it, there's a whole lot of stuff I want to talk about with Viking <laughs> and how the Vikings got influenced by Christianity and stuff like that when they were killing Christians. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens where Christians are actually making fun of, um, Christians are making fun of the Nordic faith by making Jesus like stronger than Thor. Oh, okay. <laughs> like it, it's really weird. Huh. It's really weird. But uh, yeah, it's just a fun, just fun thing I could talk about in some other time. But with giants um, in Nordic like understanding, I actually come back to a lot of like pop culture nowadays with video games to where like something like Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about like giants in the promised land. Well, you come into um, in Dark Souls one this place and there's a giant. Um, there's a couple giants in like An Orlando. And it's this place where uh, it's this like mythical. Orlando, you said. It, it, a lot of people do make that joke. <laughs> um, there's another joke uh, that people make as well. Um, but Anne Orlando is essentially this large, um, <laughs> large city where the where all the gods live. And during this time, these giants come up and. Um, 
kind of become a part of that society. They're like blacksmiths. They one of them is a archer that works for like works with the gods and those kinds of things in, in this game. Um, so it's really it's really interesting to see where giants start to play. They always seem to have this divine esque, spiritual esque nature to them. Yeah. And no matter what like game I play, no matter what comes with them, all of these giant creatures always seem to come from a almost spiritual yeah, and place. that's that's kind of the weird part to it is like, yeah. hey, why is there this collected memory? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, on one hand, it's like, is are are the giants collected memory of people saying like from all their different cultures, this is how it went down, or is it from the other hand of um, like we all enjoy zombie movies and we <laughs> <laughs> we all kind of tell our own little kind of myth of it. Uh, but, you know, you see the possibility of of this being a very real thing because it just continues so much throughout the Bible. Um, even into uh, certain stories, like especially throughout Jesus' time, the, the Jewish literature of that time believed, like, hey, um, these uh, uh, the demons that we come across today... The demons are the disembodied souls of giants. Like, that sounds crazy to us. <laughs> but that was common thought in Jewish literature. Is like when you killed a giant, you know, they didn't belong in heaven. They didn't belong on earth. They weren't God's creation. They were the creation of lower spiritual beings that God had created. Um, so it's almost like a angelic mad scientist project of no just like the maker created us i will create my own life you know um and so they go on to create uh these giants and mm -hmm. where was i headed <laughs> i got distracted i saw sarah leaving a comment question. <laughs> uh, but Giants. Even <laughs> Jesus' time, there's giants. Right, thank you. Okay, so so yeah, you see all these thoughts, and they begin to develop by Jesus' time that, like, disembodied souls of giants, they don't belong anywhere, and so they became demons. Uh, because, you know, maybe Satan lets them out to go destroy, or what, whatever the case. There's other Jewish literature that, that would be like, uh, eh, God lets some of them continue to... Uh, pester us um, whereas he got rid of a bunch of the giants too and so there's only so many you know and like that's another interesting statement you know a lot of people think of demons just as like these disembodied souls and there's infinity of them but from a biblical standpoint it's like no there's only as many as there are you know like <laughs> so Jamie we got a question yeah okay. so uh Sarah said so kind of odd but could the Sasquatch be a remaining mm. giant Sasquatch and Giants. Wow, throw a curveball at me there. I mean, I ain't seen Sasquatch. Have you, Sarah? <laughs> I've never seen a Sasquatch before. But Michael Heiser talks about everything, so I'm just going to Google Sasquatch Michael Heiser Giant and see what happens. Do you think that there's he's going to actually have an answer? I honestly would not be surprised. Is Bigfoot real? Yes. So it's, he does talk about it's a, Bigfoot. Does he really? Yep. He's got a he's got another podcast called Paranormal where they use peer research scientific papers on the paranormal and then they discuss it. Huh. Uh, but I mean, I've never been real convinced by 
Sasquatch, so I don't know, but you know, you yeah. could go that route if you wanted to. Oh, she's she's uh, heard a lot about eyewitnesses, so interesting. Maybe, maybe it's just I I don't know. <laughs> sure, go ahead, go that route. I don't know. <laughs> There's just a few giants left, and they turned into the Sasquatch people of America. Yeah, the Sasquatch. There's a um, there's an SCP. So if you don't know what that is, there's this online um, forum that they post these long um, stories based off. You have to use like a scientific writing style um, to tell your story, and it's the SCP Foundation. And the idea is that you are a scientist looking up these monsters that exist in the real world, um, but no one's able to see because they, like, erase our memories and stuff like that. That's, like, the whole point of this. It's very sci-fi. You probably love it. It does sound like it's up my alley. Yeah. Yeah. So, essentially, though, Sasquatch and Bigfoot is a part of a huge, like, city in this lore of a bunch of Sasquatches that all are, like prime like humans like they're above us so there's a in that lore it sounds like they're supposed to be like a mix of like almost a celestial body and a human body um that leads to these super intelligent super um physically you know buffed out sasquatches (laughs) and they all live secretly though because humans have always tried to like destroy them which would make sense with the Bible. So weird, like, connection there. But, uh, yeah, the SCP Foundation. <laughs> yes, it is very Doctor Who, actually. <laughs> um, it, it uh, Doctor Who and the silence. So this idea that, like, you when you see it, like, you look away, um, you can't remember them. Yeah, it, it's, it works similar to, to that, um, but very more sci-fi-esque um, in the way that it it's made from, like, a scientific, like, understanding of it. Um, according to Michael Heiser on his article, Nephilim and Bigfoot. <laughs> Nephilim and Bigfoot. He would How? say no. He says more succinctly, Nephilim were not Bigfoot, or is it Big Feet? Is what he <laughs> so yeah, well, you know, like I said, Heiser will take the weirdest questions. I, I'm like, I'm sure it's here somewhere. That's crazy that he actually has an answer for that. Yeah, uh, you could. Uh, We'll, we'll uh, link that up in the uh, podcast notes. Yeah. Slash send you a, a link right now. <laughs> Sarah. Uh, and if anybody else ever has questions while we're doing this podcast, we try to broadcast it live on Jackson Cloud's Facebook page. So if you're just listening to this in audio form on Saturdays, usually around 10 a.m., yep. feel free to comment live with us as we do that. Um, but, yeah, part of the reason... Not to rewind a lot now, but part of the reason (laughs) that you see uh, giants becoming demons in Jewish literature is because uh, there is a verse in Isaiah, interesting verse in Isaiah, which you can tell that the Jews were chewing over for a bit, things like that. Um, But it talks about Sheol beneath is stirred up to meet you when you come. It rouses the shades to greet you. All who were leaders of the earth, it raises from their thrones. All who were kings of the nations. So, rouses the shades to greet you. That's the ESV version. Check this out if I just right-click on my 
Logos Bible software on shades. The actual word is Rephaim, or dead spirits. So the Hebrew word for shades here is Rephaim. And Rephaim elsewhere is a race of giants. <laughs> so there's this interesting, if we were to read it, you know, more in Hebrew, you know, Sheol beneath is stirred up to meet you when you come. It rouses the giants to greet you. It's interesting that Isaiah 14.9 has this understanding of the giants of old who are dead. Their spirits in the underworld of Sheol where Satan has been sentenced and all the dead go. It's like, hey, the giants are there too and they're waiting for you. You know, it's like, it's an interesting... Yeah, it's terrifying. So between the New Testament and the Old Testament, there is a lot of development on spiritual understanding of spiritual beings. Now, this might be because they were in exile under another nation and culture, you know, yeah. and that culture had plenty of thoughts about uh, how the spiritual world works itself. And now they live in that culture. And so they're trying to figure out how to like bridge gaps between what they believe and what makes sense. Yeah. Even New Testament, to Old Testament, like Sheol was the place where all the dead went in the Old Testament. Hades is the place where all the dead go in the New Testament. So, like, you see, like, they've adapted their language to... Yeah. We used to call it Sheol. Now we call it Hades to match what people use here. Uh, Satan didn't seem to be, like, a very prevalent being in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, he's all over the place. Why? Well, because um, they were chewing on these uh, passages from... <coughs> Isaiah and Ezekiel about this fallen cherubim who used to follow God and then was cut down to Sheol and and is now kind of leading this uprising. So they're developing their thoughts during this time on prophecies from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Why is there evil? Well, we know about this being who fell. We know about that snake in the Garden of Eden who wasn't really a snake, but a seraphim probably. Cherubim, seraphim, they're kind of similar in nature, but mm -hmm. seraphims were snake-like spiritual beings, you know? Yeah. So um, they're, they're spending all this time in exile chewing over these things, and that's why by the time of, like, the New Testament, you have, well, demons. They're the fallen spirit, the fallen Rephaim, the giants of old, as Isaiah said. Well, Satan, he's this fallen angelic being, the one who led us astray in the garden, the one who... who uh, Isaiah and Ezekiel wrote about. So you see progression in their thought time. Yeah, so I, the, one of the questions that I always had, I guess, was um, are these giants then, these fallen giants, these spirits of these fallen giants, are they the only demons then? Or are there other demons that are yeah. surrounding, right? Because I hear, I feel like there's other evidence in the Bible of being other beings, yeah. right? There's all kinds of demons, Um listed in the Bible. So demon is kind of a blanket word. Well, it's weird. The Old Testament only talks about demons once or twice. So again, <laughs> you go from Satan hardly being talked about in the Old Testament to like a main character in the New Testament. You go from demons hardly being talked about in the Old Testament to being main characters in the New Testament. From a New Testament standpoint, a demon is just anything in the spiritual realm that is opposed to God. So that can be like a... Uh, a spirit of a person mm -hmm. that could be a fallen angelic being 
That could be Satan. That could be the false gods of old. That could be the dead spiritual, uh, the dead spirit, the dead, the spirits of the dead giants. Um, anything that is opposed to God in the spiritual realm by the time of the New Testament, that's just a blanket word. They're a demon. So, you know, when Jesus is casting out demons, what was that? Was that a fallen angelic being? Was that a, um, a, a giant? Yeah. What was it? We don't know. And the Bible doesn't care to specify, and Jesus never really cares to get into any details. Yeah. About. And even when he does get into details, you're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? <laughs> when I cast out these demons, they go through waterless places. <laughs> <laughs> and when they come out of waterless places, they come back to try to move in with their friends to their old home. You're like, how do you know this? You know, so. Excuse me, Jesus, what? <laughs> <laughs> Did I stutter? <laughs> Yeah, so there's a, a demon is a blanket word. And in the Old Testament, they were even less defined. They were more or less. It seems like they were just like a demon in the Old Testament could either be a false god <coughs> or by ancient cultural standards, they were um, spiritual beings that worked for the false gods, like angels, like like demon angels, like they delivered messages for the false gods, things like that. So now you got me thinking of like Hercul Hercules and those two little like guys that are oh, like yeah. running around. Oh, boss! <laughs> Should we be here right now? <laughs> but that, yeah, that would be yeah. like a demon by Old Testament standards, and by New Testament standards, which is much more expansive, would be a demon as well. So interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So giants for me have always been this source of like for when it comes outside of the Bible, we start looking at like pop culture giants and these these ideas that they always usually come back to like this symbolatry of like, you know, expectations being too big or or too big of ambition or too like it, it's always that kind of a thing. Does the Bible ever use that the, the giants to like tell a symbolic kind of a story? Um, I mean, so some people, uh, are so, there's obviously stories throughout the Bible where we're like, this is their way of telling us things. Right. Yeah. So like for me, like the creation story didn't literally have to happen that way. That's how the Bible writers of old and people of an ancient society were trying to tell their story as to illustrate the fact that there's only one god he created the whole world and mm -hmm. everything in it uh and this was uh the sense of order in which he put in place uh what reigns over what how marriage and life works and all that so that was an important thing in old ancient uh stories of creating yeah and so the bible has its own way but we in the 20th 21st century we're like you know well when we think of science that's not exactly uh the way that it lines up according to our scientific research so we have the flexibility to be like okay so we know what they were trying to communicate is this a literal way in which god created us by just speaking throughout six days or is this their way of telling us themes that we grasp though we understand it differently yeah Anyways, okay. same question with giants. Some are going to look at this and be like, this is crazy. Like, we're remembering uh, we've forgotten something that's happened long ago. Yeah. And I like to think of it like this. 
if we were to live for like another billion years, if humans were to be around that long, one day we would look up in the sky and we wouldn't see any stars at all. Because as far as like, you know, Big Bang Theory and all of that, we're shot out and we're all excelling away from one another mm-hmm. at an exponential rate. So one day we would look up and we would have moved so fast away from everything over billions of years that there would be no stars. An ancient culture would have written down in all their books, ah, the stars are beautiful tonight. Ah, I see the stars. Oh, that's so great. Here's this constellation. And a billion years from now, people would open those books and be like, these people were morons, <laughs> ancient morons, thinking that the stars were real things, right? That would be the way that people down the road would think. Even yeah. though today we know, for fact, there are stars. <laughs> yeah. Um, I use that as an illustration. Is that the way that we're supposed to understand the giants and the Nephilim? Is that like... These things were long ago, and when we read it, we're like, ah, these ancient people were stupid, you know? Yeah. Or is it that they're remembering something that we can't see? Because from a biblical perspective, the giants were wiped out. Yeah. And so we wouldn't see those anymore. So there's that one theory. Yeah. It's good food for thought. Or is it what you were saying? Is it symbolism? Is Mm -hmm. it to say there were always these false leaders who rose up who claim to be of the gods and claim to have bloodline straight from the gods and they were giants in society and we wiped them out uh, and and things like that. Is that the way it's going? Some people are going to take that route. I haven't been convinced that there's need to from a biblical perspective. Yeah, I, the I, other direction makes sense of a lot of things to me, including demons. And it kind of tells the story, right? Yeah. To where like symbolically... Um, it's kind of a way for us to say, like, ah, that's something I can't prove right now, so mm-hmm. that might not be real. So then we just kind of go, like, well, it's it's symbolism then. Mm-hmm. And I think we like to, since, you know, the first time someone was like, wait, what if this verse, what if we didn't have to take it literally? Mm-hmm. And everyone not, then went after that, oh, man, everything in the Bible is now symbolism, yeah. which is uh, the wrong way to go, right? Yeah, because like, eventually you take out... yeah. Crucial, important stuff like miracles and yeah, you know. and then Jesus's sacrifice, and if Jesus yeah. was even real, and it's like, well, yeah. no, it's got to be there. It's got to be real, or else you're you're not living Christianity anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's there's always like a lot of elements of like you know, uh, there's a lot of mytho- mythological elements throughout the Bible, and so when you come across those, you have to deal with them. Like Leviathan, is Leviathan real? And if it was, then people have all the questions. Was it a dinosaur? Was it like Nessie? <laughs> was it um, was it supposed to be a spiritual being? Was it a physical being? Was it just a whale that they were like, oh, giants of the deep, you know? <laughs> and like Leviathan for me, like I'm like, when you look at other uh, ancient religions who had characters like Lighten and Latanu and things like that, like... That's just that was a spiritual being that um, Israel adopted as a example of like a god of other nations whom mm-hmm. God is greater than. So for them, they're like, sure, let's say Leviathan's real, and maybe they did believe Leviathan was real. Uh, Job, I th- Job writes the most about Leviathan, and he was from another culture, I think. So when Job's saying like, 
my culture believes in Leviathan, but the way that he writes it is God has Leviathan on his leash. He's like his dog. Like, he's got no power over him. So, essentially, Job's, like, insulting, like, you all who think Leviathan's this great spiritual being who makes the gods tremble, let me tell you about Yahweh, who's got your little god on on his puppy leash, you know, and things <laughs> like that. So, like, do we have to necessarily take Leviathan as a real creature? I don't think so, based on the way that it works out. But you have to address those questions anytime you come in contact with kind of uh mythology of sorts yeah now let's pause because we've got some comments going on here uh oh sarah's got some she's uh curious to see how some folklore plays into the idea of demons for example the jersey devil you know anything about what's what's the jersey devil (laughs) we neither of us know enough about the jersey devil to at least be able to give a profitable conversation well, now right I'm, now. <laughs> now I'm just, I just want to know what the Jersey Devil but is. But perhaps a future Nerd Church episode. I'm going to make something up. The Jersey Devil I'm is... I'm thinking of Mothman. Is a, <laughs> <laughs> the Jersey Devil is a uh, as a sandwich that is evil. I, and it's it's the, the Jersey, Jersey Devil. A spicy Philly cheesesteak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, yeah. Well, Jersey Devil is... Southern New Jersey and Philadelphia, legendary creature said to inhabit the Pine Barrens of South Jersey, a flying biped with hooves. It's probably just uh, one of the uh, um, pterodactyls that survived, (laughs) is my guess. Not really, though. No, it's terrifying. (laughs) I think it's terrifying, Leftover being, yeah. Ooh. But yeah, I mean, there are times where you got to figure out what is symbolic, what is real, what am I dealing with, what am I willing to like go with, and things like that. Like for me, I don't have a problem believing Leviathan was a spiritual, like an actual spiritual being that like could exist. But even if it was, my symbolism as to like what it represents is still correct. Yeah. That's the same thing with giants. Like those who would be like, ah, these didn't really exist. Their symbolism's still correct, so they can still have like a good story out of it. But a less fantastic one. And <laughs> one that that doesn't have application as much into today, you know? For sure. Yeah. I mean we all like to think of those kinds of stories, right? The idea of, like, this giant um, that, like, we have to overcome and everything. It's a lot of, like, fantasy-like settings. We see that, right? Like, there's this giant. We're, we're David. We got to fight Goliath. Um, and we got to, like, take back everything. But, like, I don't know. Now, that's one part of, of me that kind of, like, I, I don't necessarily see that anymore as, like, what we need to do, right? Mm. Like, we're past those days. Um, and it is something that's in our past. Like, it's good to acknowledge and to know and to, like, think back on. But, like, I, I feel like with Jesus' messages and everything that we learn, just, like, yep. these this idea of the these demonic beings that we need to, like, you know, slay kind of a thing is just kind of not the same, right? Jesus is slaying them, but it's always, like, the sword of his mouth and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's never... Like literally going out and he never really even hunts them down. They yeah, always no, show like shows up, up and just like while he's away. doing ministry. <laughs> so, you know, when he would be 
out trying to heal someone, then a demon shows up. And I was like, you're the son of God, you know, and she's like, shut up. Stop <laughs> telling people. Go away. <laughs> and uh, to some extent, the Bible pictures him as like the ultimate like authority over demons. Uh, there's a verse in Mark that talks, a demon's like, you're the holy one of God. And like, that's an expression that isn't used in the New Testament. So we're like, why did he say that? The... That expression in um, the version that Mark would have read of the Bible mm-hmm. is only related to uh, Samson. Samson is the Holy One of God. So it's very well as like an illusion, like just as Samson had like this mega strength because the Holy Spirit gifted him with it. When it comes to Jesus and demons, Jesus is like the Samson of demons. Except he's not like Samson. Samson was an idiot. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> that, Well, we apparently need to have a story, story about Samson. That dude, man, he messed everything up like a million really times did. over. Just every moment, the Bible wants you to know, like, this dude <laughs> is a beefcake who doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> but Jesus, like... I think it's calling him the Holy One of God because it's like, look, just as Samson could like push over a building or push over pillars of a building and wipe people yeah. out, Jesus has the same strength against demons. So that's part of the reason why you don't see him like freaking out and like, be gone, demons. Like, no, just, hey, shut up, go away. Well, yeah, he walks up and they're like, we are legion. He's like, yeah. He's like okay. That's your point. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And even that one, like that. We're off topic now. Yeah, I mean, that we, that's where these podcasts go, Jamin. They're not allowed to stay on topic. That's right. Well, old exorcism, uh, what what people would try to do is cast a demon out of a person into an animal and then drown the animal in a lake mm-hmm. <laughs> as a way to, like, expel it. Like, move it into another body and then kill that body. Now where is it going to live? So when you see Jesus, like, casting a bunch of pigs... You yeah. Know, first off, he cast it out of the guy into the animals, and then drown the animals in the lake. I don't know entirely if he forced that, or if they ran into the lake, or what. All I know is they probably didn't have bacon for some time. <laughs> um, but that was fine for the Jewish culture because they don't eat bacon. So uh, back to Sarah. That's what. That's what got me though. Like in that story, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, wait, they don't even eat. Thousand. Yeah, Why I were do they? have that question. Why? Well, that guy may have not been Jewish, I guess, right? That guy's just sitting there and he's like, I'm Jewish, <laughs> and I've just hoarded pigs my entire life. But I mean, yeah, they were around. What were they used for? I don't know. I haven't studied. Maybe, maybe they just ate all the trash to get rid of it. <laughs> they were the trash cans of old. They just. Oh man, I'm really tired of this uh, this corn husk. Mm. Just threw it, <laughs> throw it to a pig. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarah asks if the giants are viewed as symbolic. Uh, what would be the giants of today? And she thinks a corporation and politics as modern giants that alter the view of the masses, things like that. Um, again, I don't personally have the conviction that they're symbolic. Um, but those things would fit either way, because when you get to Revelation, of course, the <laughs> politics of Babylon are just pictured as straight up like this was Satan and this is all of his demons doing his bidding. You know, you see like these demons coming out of yeah. of of Sheol of this pit and then afflicting everyone. So you would see like the same idea, like what would be the giants like. From Revelation standpoint, 
I don't know. I might take it a little bit of a different way, right? Oh. I, I feel like if the Giants were supposed to be symbolic, or if they if they did exist and there's there's still some symbolism that we can find in their existence, mm. um, then maybe nowadays, because that was supposed to be things that are against God, right? These things yep. that are like outside of what God intends, um, or and then. Intently against yeah, him, like exactly. His right—that's what I mean. Yeah. Um, so when we, so when we come to that, like maybe that if it is that kind of a symbolism, right? Then maybe it's supposed to be reflective of how we deal with our own giants, right? Our own problems, our own um, insecurities about how we deal with our lives, our own things that are stopping us from helping others. The things that when we're being um, against God, right? So if, if I think if we're going to take anything, it's we can look at symbolically what these giants were, what they kind of did and what they stood for and say those kinds of things are obviously against God, right? Those things that are evil mm-hmm. and we could try to keep them out of our own lives. So, Yeah. And from a Jewish conception, it'd be what kind of spiritual things do you come in contact yeah, with yeah. Uh, in the occult or in astrology or in all these things for them it'd be like all of you know for us we we often think like oh just occultic stuff so strange and stupid just something humans made up but like from a biblical perspective or at least the jewish perspective of the bible was all this stuff was taught to us by fallen beings who weren't supposed to teach it to us if god had his way we wouldn't know these things and God doesn't want us to practice these things. So do we give in to the the weight of the giants calling us to, hey, there are ways to commune with other beings and yeah. we can show you that if you just listen to us, you know. So you have spiritual connection as well as symbolic connection as well as physical connection and things like that. And that's probably part of the reason that they were such a... Um, powerful enemy to God doing what he needed to do is like commuting with a spiritual being that you can't see and things like that is hard but walking up to physical like predecessors of those spiritual beings who are like we know all these things come listen to our narrative as to I even I had a friend who uh, they were talking about they had a, someone who they thought had a demon, and the narrative that this demon was telling them was a different story about the flood. Like, here's how your God's evil. Look at what he did in the flood. I'm like, interesting. <laughs> like, interesting that a spiritual being could be a giant wiped out in the flood. Yeah. It's like, here's what your God did to me a long time ago. You know, like, yeah. weird how that would be like a staple moment to, to bring back. Because, of course, a giant would view that as, like, a negative moment, Yeah, for you know? sure. So, you know, am I just reading into it? Maybe. But, like, that that part for me is, like, another, like, maybe I don't need symbolism. Maybe yeah, this no, it's, is. It's for real. Yeah. yeah. So. But, yeah. Uh, so we kind of covered a gamut of. Yeah. We went over <laughs> a lot of stuff. Uh, Thanos is big. He is big. Think Thanos has anything to do with giants? <laughs> <laughs> Only if that's what Marvel intended. That's but, not. Yeah, not probably all. not. No. Uh, but yeah, so giants, it's in the Bible. 
It's in other cultures. There seems to be a collected memory of this. Heiser would go deeper into the Anunnaki, which he thinks... Uh, I, I don't fully understand it yet because it's ancient Mesopotamian thing, but the Anunnaki seem to be like a good starting point as to where a lot of all this conversation came from with giants okay. and maybe what the Bible did with telling its own narrative of it. So that might be something worth looking into. Heiser, I think, in his book Reversing Herman gets into some of that. Um, and you see its footprint. You see the footprint of this even into the New Testament. And Paul says, like, women should cover their heads when they go to worship. Why? Mm-hmm. He says, because of the angels. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, his point was, like, hey, uh, spiritual beings are supposed to be, like, angels are at church. They're, because when they believe uh, in, like, the Dead Sea Scrolls that when we worship, angels join us in worship. So if angels are going to be present when we worship, well, we all know that the angels stumbled over human women in the past. So women, maybe just cover your heads when we're worshiping so you don't lead the angels into temptation well, didn't again. It also weren't, well, didn't hair specifically have something to do with reproduction yeah. and stuff like that back in their yeah. time, so, too? Yeah, so, like, that's the other thing is, like, women cover your heads because you don't want to tempt the angels. But also hair was more or less by ancient doctor understanding. Ancient science. <laughs> hair was thought to be dried up sperm yep. that uh, both man <laughs> and woman had in their brains. And so yep. men were supposed to have more hair down low to vacuum it down because <laughs> hair was a vacuum that moved it where it yeah. needed to be. And so women were supposed to have lots of hair up here, keeping it where it belonged with its vacuum suction power. And uh, so you should cover that because in their mind, like hair was kind of like a sexual organ of sorts. And that person who just tuned into the live stream that moment. You're welcome. They're like, what on earth is going on? (laughs) Anyways, that's just ancient science thinking. So... You see the story of the Nephilim show up in Paul's thinking as to like when we worship, what is appropriate based on what we know of yeah. what's happened in the past. You know, it all makes sense. All comes together. Yeah. There's even a verse in Revelation that I wonder if it's uh, comparing Christians to Nephilim. And I'm not sure. Heiser points it out as a possibility because there's one point where it's like, and then all of these martyred Christians, they were virgins. And, like, you know they weren't because... <laughs> they had kids. They had kids. And, like, the idea that Heiser thinks might be a possibility is, like, it might be a comparison. Like, these new... Uh, these Christians who are the new spiritual beings of heaven, um, they haven't messed up with the same, like, sexual misconduct yeah. of the old spiritual beings of heaven. And that might be one last thing that I would throw out is some people would be like, how would angels even do that? Because Jesus says that um, angels, uh, they don't procreate or whatever. Uh, And the point that you can push back on is it says they don't or they shouldn't. It doesn't say they can't. Yeah. Uh, And you see angelic beings seem to be able to fabricate into existence in the Old Testament. So like... It makes sense that they might be able to do that if they so desired to rebel against God in that way. 
Okay, wow. <lacht> good talk. Good, But, good, uh, have I missed anything? <lacht> This is, uh, what, episode five or six? And people are like, these people are crazy. I'm never coming back here. <lacht> <lacht> oh, um, man, yeah, yeah. no. Uh, I mean, that's that's just how it goes, though, with this, right? We, we yep. sit and we talk about things that are very nerdy. Like, this is a very nerdy topic in the Bible. Like, uh, it just relates to all the things that we, we love about, like, storytelling and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Um, it, this is one of the stories in the Bible that has kind of a beginning, middle, and end, mm -hmm. and doesn't leave the end open to, like, mass amount of interpretation. Yeah. Um, to where, like, yeah, these are beings that we saw how they were created. God created all things, right? We see them living with people and, like, these spiritual beings and everything, um, coexisting and then you, you come and you keep going and uh, yeah it, it just then they end with you know how where they're still at with us kind of a thing today is like demons yeah. and stuff so we we know like this story that's happening it kind of for nerds it's like oh yeah this is like this is like every story that I've ever heard of these kinds of things you know kind of, it, it just falls in line with our The, the stories that we love to hear. Yeah. Um, which I, I think um, is one of the things I love about being able to just read the Bibles. There's so many different stories being told over the entire thing that you can jump into it. And even if you've read the Bible, you're going to find somebody that just is like, actually, if you look at the translation of these things, like this is actually connected to this and it just makes it even crazier. Yeah. So I think that even though it gets crazy and weird, that's just... That's nerd church, it. guys. I if you're <laughs> you're crazy and weird, we uh, we're also crazy and weird on Mondays. So, feel right. free to stop by anytime. Monday six to nine, either online or in person. We've been playing Minecraft lately. So oh yeah, we're gonna get the that. Ender Dragon in about three months. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I and yeah, I mean, kind of to what you're saying. Like, part of what people like to do with stories like this is like, that's just weird. I'm not gonna touch it. And that's part of the reason people miss, like, huge narratives. Like, yeah. the Giants are a huge narrative. It doesn't just show up once in six, Genesis 6, and then again in uh, 1 Samuel. Like, it follows the whole thing. So when you're like, this is just too weird, I'm not going to listen to it. Like, you miss everything. And because of that, you miss a lot of, like, important statements. Yeah. Uh, and understandings as to why there is war and what's going on. And, like... If I can say this to some extent, that's not okay. <laughs> like, no. you, you can't just be like, this is weird and so I'm done with it. Like, you then will preach your Bible in a way that it was not written or understood simply because you're like, I don't like that. You know what Jefferson did with the Jefferson Bible? Like, oh, yeah. Don't like miracles. I'm cutting all those pages out. It's like, no, you didn't just preach Jesus. You preached your own version of Jesus. So... Whether in the end you want to take it as symbolism or serious, like that's one thing. But if you just say it's weird and I'm not going to follow it, like that will ruin what the Bible writers want you to know. If I wrote something into a book that was weird and you're just like, eh, I don't like that, like you didn't get what I was trying to say. So you need to understand that. Yeah. Um, I also realized another piece I missed. <laughs> oh. It's because you were talking about the ending. Uh, the ending for. In, in the book of Enoch, which was, it's not a, a book of the Bible, but it is a book that uh, um, the Bible writers read and were informed by. Uh, in the book of Enoch, the sons of God who made this transgression, the parents, if you will, of the giants, they're locked up in a prison. 
and Enoch uh, goes to see them, and they say, please just uh, ask God if, you know, he'll let us out of here, forgive us, and things like that. And so he then has his own, like, revelation experience where he's taken up into heaven, and he goes to God, and he's like, uh, the sons of God who transgressed against you and messed up everything are wondering if, you know, you just forgive them and let them out. And he sent back to them to say, no, that's not going to happen. Your sins are too great. These same sons of God are pictured in, uh, I think, First Peter, Second Peter, where, and a lot of people think Jesus goes when he dies, he goes to hell to reach all the people who died before who should have been saved. Because it says he went to minister to the spirits or whatever. Mm-hmm. Spirits is, um, that language can represent just like any disembodied uh, being. Uh, it can represent angels. Mm-hmm. And so the beings that Jesus is ministering to, in the same way that Paul saw Jesus as like a second Adam, um, the... Uh, Peter saw Jesus as a second Enoch. Just as um, just as Adam messed everything up, so Jesus redeemed everything. Just as Enoch went and told them, uh, "I for uh, you're not forgiven," so now Jesus goes to them. He's like, "Your destination for judgment and hell is still on on point." So when Jesus was dead for three days, what did he do? He went to the fallen sons of God of old, who raised up Nephilim children, and he told them. What you did is not okay, and it's still you are still going to have to face punishment and judgment for it for messing everything up. And with that, my battery on my computer is going to die, so we have to quit. Otherwise, we're going to lose this whole thing. Thanks, everybody.